Hello everyone, welcome to Jojo's World. Good end of the universe to you, I guess, kind of. Top of the end of the universe to you. <laughs> Listen, if I can't doff a hat and say good end of the universe to you, what's this even been for? And I hope you enjoyed the uh, premiere play of our new Stone Ocean theme song composed by Milk Juice. Oh god. I literally every single day this week I've been like, okay, I'm gonna give it a go. And then I sit down, I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever heard in my entire life, and then move on. It's just, it's hopeless. It's actually, it's like we need to reset the universe so that I can become like a pro composer or something. This is JoJo's World, our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast, where today we are recapping the final episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Part 6, Stone Ocean, which is also the final episode of the single ongoing story arc that began with episode 1 of part 1 of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Phantom Blood, Dio the Invader. Uh, But this episode is of course entitled What a Wonderful World, the 38th episode of Stone Ocean, which covers chapters 750 through 752 of the Jojo's Bizarre Adventure manga. I'm Liam S. Smith. One of your co-hosts, and I'm so happy to be here today. And I'm Nick Valentine, <laughs> the other one of the co-hosts. I'm in my house, it's fine. I'm in Nick's house, he invites me into his house, we have a nice time. It's good. And I pretend not to have <laughs> depression. Hey, that's what <laughs> podcasting is all about. So, Nick. Yeah. What do you think of a little anime called Jojo's Bizarre Adventure? Well, Liam, I think that we have patrons. Not answering my question, but okay. Hey, I'm a king of deflection. And you know who else is a king of deflection? <laughs> Today's patron. Who I Dr. noticed... Dr. Mirrors. Who king I noticed, of deflection. <laughs> I noticed that they've refused to use their real name. A coward's move if ever there was one. <laughs> and instead have decided to hide behind the veil, a thin veil, dare I say, of something that I don't understand the reference to, which we've never had a problem with on this podcast before. But this one is particularly egregious because today's podcast patron is Funeth. Funeth. Psychic water type. Cool. Well, Nick, I for one think it's rude of you to talk down to our patrons. And I think Funeth psychic water type is uh, jockeying for the new (laughs) co-host position. Wait, what? Oh, no. Wait a minute. Wait, but I'm... But I've been here the whole time. You're not just gonna... Uh, Ashes to ashes... Universes to universes. Oh, no. Although they did send us some nice recommendations on Patreon about uh, watching a Quentin Tarantino film that isn't a Quentin Tarantino film. Mm. Which I'm like... And what's that film called? Uh, it is The Wild Bunch. The Wild Bunch. Yeah. Heard of it? Haven't seen it. A classic, multi-layering its characters and moral entanglement. Pretty neat. It's a western. It's a western. So apparently that feeds into part seven. I don't know. Uh... Well, thanks for that recommendation. We're gonna figure it out between now and the inevitable question mark uh, yeah. announcement of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part Seven Steel Ball Run, where we do whatever the damn hell we wanna do, and you can't stop us. <laughs> thanks, Punith Psychic Water Time. Yeah, thank you. So, Nick, I ask you again. Yes. What did you think of a little anime called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Stone Ocean, and especially this episode? Well. In my all my years as a connoisseur... In all my stars and garters. As a connoisseur of media and entertainment and all good things Jojo. It was alright. It's true, you were merely a um, 
merely a neophyte, an apprentice, a newcomer when we started this, mm. what, uh, seven year <laughs> project? Has it been seven years? It started in 2016, I want to say. I so. was 25 years old? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, too old to be watching anime. <laughs> <laughs> that is not true. As we all know, I've decided to watch more anime now than ever before. Nick invited me into his house, and then he spat in my mouth by telling me he was watching all of Naruto from the start. Yeah? Okay, so, so, okay. I just... Naruto, I say. Yeah, it's for sure. Well, look, I don't, I don't have time to watch all of One Piece unless we do it on this podcast. When our Patreon release uh, hits $2,000 a month. Which, every day, I'm like, oh, phew. We're getting further and further away. Okay. Which is great. Uh, But I was like, I just need some kind of long form, awful, mass marketable, 13 episode fight scene It would really need to be more like $5,000 a month for each of us to be able to draw a livable wage from it. (laughs) I mean, at this point, yeah. But the point being, (laughs) I just needed something to scratch that itch, you know, where it's like 12 episodes, one fight, you know? And a whole bunch of named powers. And I was going to, you know, I was going to make the usual, um, the usual criti- criticism of Naruto as an anime for having flashbacks within flashbacks. But uh, with this particular episode of JoJo's, uh-huh. we can't throw stones from our glass houses. <laughs> it was like, I just, I'm amazed at how similar it felt from Naruto to this episode. So I, I never really like, got into Naruto. Yeah. Um, I know the I know the overarching concept, and I know some of the like major arc beats just from Osmosis. Okay. But you got this boy Naruto, right? Yeah, you got and, this like, guy. He's got no friends, and he's got a demon that lives within him. Uh, well, he himself kind of is the demon now, kind of. Okay. Because um, he's got like a seal on him that's slowly coming off, sure. maybe mm-hmm. kind of. Uh, and basically, what like he has tween adventures with other ninjas. Yeah, but it's in. You told me it's in the, the modern times, which no, no, no. Me. It's no. It's heavily based in reality. So we've got like motorized boats, radios, uh, telephones. Yeah, I always because people are always throwing daggers and shit. So I just assumed it was. Oh yeah, no, it's it absolutely fantasy like fantasy pastimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there are ninja villages and like. There's no modern technology whatsoever. All the milk is expired. All the milk's expired. (laughs) And it's like, it's just your typical ninja kind of back in like Edo period style. But with smartphones. Yeah. But basically... And Boruto is there. No, 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 he is not there. I refuse to watch Boruto. Only shows prefixed with Naruto am I watching. So if they say Boruto, I'll be like, how dare you? I will never watch that. <laughs> that film doesn't even have a CG bear in it. I'm not having it. Well, are you enjoying it? Okay, so I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. <laughs> That's not a yes. Yeah, I don't know if I technically enjoy it. Well, I do. I do enjoy it, but probably for the wrong reasons, right? Where, like, all of the fights go on for, like, 10 plus episodes minimum. Gross. So, like, each one of them is, wow, I'm about to do this move. You don't understand this move that I'm doing. It works like this. And then someone is like, works like that. Why? That feeds into this technique. But I, suppose the nice thing, I suppose the nice thing about JoJo's in comparison is by and large, most stands will only do one or two things. Yeah. So even though they do explain it like that, it only happens the once. Yeah. And even then you're like, okay, we did that. Move on. Mm. This one is like, okay. And also I've... Speedwagon is the one doing it. Yeah. It's like, I've attacked you. By the way, when I attacked you, actually I didn't attack you because you did this. 
But I also did this at the same time, which means that this happened, but none of that mattered because you're not even that person. What are their goals? What do what, you mean? What's, the, what's the... So, Naruto wants to be the next Hokage. The fourth Hokage. Yeah. yeah. But what does the Hokage do? What does okay. the Hokage want? Okay, let me, let me break it down for you, okay? So, we've got multiple levels of ninja, yeah? So, Naruto right now is where I'm at. He's a Genin. Right? And again, it is like your yeah, entry level, you've just passed the yeah. academy level I understand. scrub level, right? Yeah. You're only allowed to go on, you know, D or C rank missions at best, right? You can't go on any B rank I missions. I feel like you're missing the point of my question. No, right, we're getting there. Then above that, you got Chunin, right? Yeah. And then you got Jonin. Yeah. And they're like your, your high tier boys. And then you got Hokage. But to what end? To what end are they doing missions? So Naruto wants friends. And by getting Hokage, everyone in the village will love him. So, there's no... The protagonists have no goal, is what you're telling me. <laughs> Disgusting slurp sound that I'm going to edit out. <laughs> so, the goal is... Uh, Why okay. does one become a ninja? Are they serving a lord? Are they... So, the Hokage <laughs> is... You know when you have, like, anime fans that are just like, So, why do you like this? Like, well, you have to understand, okay... Araki started writing You this. have to understand, the Animorphs are fighting the Yurks. But why are they fighting? It's like, well, you see, war has many problems. Yeah, I get, but why? What? So th there are these aliens that eat themselves. So I think the idea is that the Hokage... Are they... Are they... Are they... Are they Diamond dogs? Are they soldiers? Yeah, uh, kind of, yeah. So like they, Soldiers for hire? Yeah, the world calls for ninjas and we answer. Well, in a frame reference, I think you'll understand. They're all shinobi, basically. So they're all more or less becoming part of the military state. Because, you know, fascism is cool. Oh, they're the CIA. Uh, well, they're more like ninjas. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, now I understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like... But they, they, they work for... Do they work... What I'm trying to ask you... They, they take on missions. The min yeah, but does the ninja organisation, the ninja society... Yeah, yeah. They're not beholden to any state. So okay. they're like uh, mercenaries without borders. Okay. But they are very much mercenaries with Militaires. borders. Because they work for the state. You just told me they didn't! Yes, I did. Which they don't. So they're a deniable asset. Yes, very much so. And so they are... Yeah, they're like a CIA guy over in like Europe in the Cold War. Yeah, yeah, except everyone knows about them because in the first few episodes where we had Kakashi explaining what they're meant to be, they're like, the first rule of being a ninja is that you must hide your true essence and like, you know, don't declare yourself. Every single time a ninja has been on screen, they've immediately declared themselves. I'm a ninja from the Frost Clan. And literally like the state apparently is like, so we need some ninja to do some stuff. Can you do that? They're like, yeah, we'll think about it. And then they'll declare yes to the state, we're going to go do it. And it's like, I'm confused how this works. When the ninjas are going around their normal everyday lives, yep. which I assume they have. Yeah, in the village, yep. yeah. Do they interact with normies and let them know yes. they're ninjas? Yes, yes, very much so. So okay. one of the main rivals Naruto has right now is a kid who's the grandson of the current Hokage, who's just like, you're a ninja. And Naruto's like, you're damn right I'm a ninja. And also, you know they're ninja because they all wear headbands. I've only just realised this. They all wear headbands saying that they're ninjas wherever they go. Only a, uh, <laughs> only a ninja would engage in such a complicated double bluff.
Because a ninja would never declare themselves a ninja. Tune in next time to Naruto's world uh, when we never talk about this again. Never, please. Nick. Yeah? What a wonderful JoJo's world. I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. God, I'm so glad I've memed this into your brain. <laughs> so, Nick, 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 Nick. Yes. I want to share with you... Okay. Ah, uh, the final words of wisdom. <gasps> Written on his deathbed. No! Hirohiko Araki's afterword at the end of Stone Ocean. Oh um, for those of you who may be less familiar with the show, because I do know some people, for some reason, listen to this without having watched it. <laughs> um, we go through a whole thing where we go through two entire resets of the universe in this episode and then end in a new universe where none of it has happened. Uh, so, I'm sure the afterword will address that in some regard. Oh, remind me to bring up another patron message as well. After this. After these Sir. messages. After these messages from our wise king. Jesus. <laughs> Liam's face right now. The truth is, <laughs> I don't really know what to say about this. Go on. Writing this sixth part of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Stone mm. Ocean, mm. I started feeling a great sense of satisfaction regarding the stand's powers. I felt like I had reached the peak of my creativity. As an author, I had drawn everything my capabilities allowed. Time that got faster and faster for human senses to perceive, getting closer to the concept of infinite. Given we can't really comprehend much of it, how could there possibly be a greater stand power bigger than this? Mm. There's nothing more incredible. My creativity has reached the highest point. That's what I thought. I normally think that feelings like a sense of satisfaction or personal realisation are extremely scary. Mm. Finding yourself in a situation where you think everything's going well and you don't need to do anything more is without a doubt a terrible situation as a person and as a mangaka. But also, this is all the same sentence, but also, if we think about society and the development of science, philosophy, art, and culture in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Stagnation. Hesitation is defeat. People act to achieve something. Not ninjas, apparently, but people. <laughs> <laughs> to obtain yep. satisfaction above all else. Mm -hmm. But what do they do when they reach it? This contradictory feeling crept up my heart while I was coming up with an ending for Stone Ocean. Mm. Jolene Cujo. Our protagonist felt a deep void in her heart too because she was missing the paternal love that brought her to befriend the shady guy that caused her to be in prison after causing a car accident. Daddy issues. Hmm. But what's important is the progress she makes because of that. Because of the action she has to do to save her father, she becomes the strong woman she is. If we look at this story as a telling of the protagonist's growth, her story had ended. I'll just jump in that I, I <laughs> yes go on. I think that's that's a good that's a valid point about the structure of Jolene's character development however I do think it is a shame that given that he's he's laying this story out to be the story of her growth from that initial instance mm. she's largely absent in the climax of her own story yeah well her arc isn't really done because she's still trying to escape prison and then she dies but she could have just been brought back and then we could have had a moment of, like, redemption or something, maybe? No, nah, not that. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> never mind. So now what should I do for the accomplishment of this manga? In other words, I don't have anything more to draw. It's over. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure has reached its summit. What? This is Stone Ocean. The end. What? But this is not right. Not at all. It feels wrong. It does. The fact that I'm feeling accomplished should not be a good thing. <laughs> 
It's like a red light is in front of me. What should I do? <laughs> no it's happiness allowed. Existential crisis. <laughs> it's like you look in the mirror and you're like, I've done everything that I wanted to in life. Yes. Oh, this is awful. Put the barrel of the gun in your mouth. <laughs> this is like, what's um, what what's the the guy from American Psycho? Patrick uh, Bateman. This is like Patrick Bateman being all like. I will never be happy with what I have. Slowly pulls off face. This is what I was thinking then, until I had an idea. Go back to the origins. Isn't this how Renaissance happened in Italy? Going back to Greeks and Roman concepts in classic art? The French painter, I'm gonna mangle this pronunciation, Gorgon, also built a whole new painting going back to the origins that Tahiti represented for him. Oh my God. I need to strengthen further Father Pucci's stand power. This way time, the characters, the bloodlines and their whole universe will have a turnaround and go back to their origins. Oh my God. Nick, roundabout. You dance and sing. <laughs> For Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, I had to leave modern days and return to nature. The wild west. <laughs> I had to change Stone Ocean's ending right before the last chapters for this reason. I brought out all the nostalgic features I had in my soul. Sorry, feelings I had in my soul. And this is why it came out like that. Jolene Cujo's memories might be different in the reset of the universe, mm. but her love and her feelings are still there. They became something eternal, and I'm sure she'll keep growing wiser and stronger. Mm. I want the protagonist for the seventh part to be fighting against nature in a way that teaches him how to be mature. Mm. This, were, this were my thoughts upon writing the sixth part. Maybe these things shouldn't be said or written, but this is the author's afterword, right? It came out like this. Hmm. So we're going back in time because we're going forward in narrative. Nick, that was surprisingly profound. What? No, it's just what's happening. <laughs> so, so is he literally saying, okay, no like fluffy lit crit anything. He's just literally saying, yeah, fuck it. I don't have anywhere else to go with this whole Jojo story. Let's go back to some previous Jojos and see what happens. Okay, it's a no. So I'm no. struggling to say you're wrong. That's never how I've thought about it, but... <laughs> I mean, I can't, I certainly can't say you're wrong. Yeah, because I'm uh, assuming we still have stands in the future parts. Yeah. Okay, so we're going backwards to, like, other JoJo's to be like, we, we, we've got stands in it's the It's all new ones. from this point on. Okay. Uh, no stands? No stands, no Jotaro. Wait, 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 so... After... Wait, I mean, stands, yes. Stands, okay. yes. Alright. No, but no, um... But no stands. No looming shadow of Dio haunting the bloodline. Yeah, now it's a whole new adventure. Mm. And part seven is our mutual friend Georgie's favourite part, if yeah, I understand like, correctly. A lot of people really like it. Yeah. Interesting. I think a lot of Americans really like it because it takes place in the United States, <laughs> but that's another thing altogether. <laughs> it, is, it is very well done. Mm. I reread it this year and it holds up. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, it's definitely more modern than, say, part one. Which also holds up. I mean, all of it holds up. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Uh, do I have anything else to share before we get into it? Well, I want to... Oh yeah, we're just tra can... trading back and forth. Yeah, if I can sneak indulge in. us, it is the last episode of this so, so six-story arc. Yeah, we got a we got a cheeky message regarding uh, Araki's relationship to Rohan from one of our patrons. Ah, yes. Um, they said that he's closer to Alan Wake and Mister Scratch instead of a. True oh, I haven't played Alan insert. Wake two yet. Don't spoil it me. I have played Alan Wake's American Nightmare featuring yeah. Mister Scratch. So a true self-insert is more like Sam Lake and Alan Wake because we know that Sam Lake, the the man, the myth, the Max Payne. 
self inserts his own face into Max Payne and literally has a self insert of himself as like three separate characters in Alan Wake 2. Oh, okay. I got no idea who they are, but I don't know. I haven't played it and I don't, I don't want to be spoiled. Uh, or maybe Taylor Swift in Blank Space versus Antihero, which I have absolutely no frame of reference yeah, to understand I'm not, I'm not, it anyway. I'm not a Swifty, sorry. But basically they're saying, Rohan is Araki filtered through the rumor mill rather than a pure auth insert. I've been playing a lot of Alan Wake. And to that I say, thank you. I should play some Alan Wake. You beautiful bastard. I really liked Alan Wake 1 featuring Alan Wake. I also, also liked really Alan liked 1. Control featuring Alan Wake. Wait, is Alan Wake in Control? There's an Alan Wake DLC. Is there? Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. It's part of the greater Remedy multiverse. <laughs> Which is a real thing, apparently. Mm -hmm. So thank you, young patron, for your wise words. As we wait for Liam to pull up what can only be described as even wiser words from our king, Hirohiko Araki. What a wonderful world! It's the finale, baby! Pulse-pounding action as I check my notes. <laughs> this is the true JoJo's world experience. Unedited. For your glorious intake. So we pick up where we left off last time, where Emporio has gone back through the time tunnel as universes collapse, mm -hmm. uh, and finds himself back in Green Dolphin Street Prison. Uh, in the the scene in the very first episode, I think it was, uh, where dear sweet Jolene meets her vile, reviled father, Jotaro, in the prisoner visitation room. And they're all like, I don't want you here, Dad. I never loved you, I'm here Dad. to help you get out. And he's taking it in, and and we realise that it's Jolene and Jotaro, but it's not Jolene and Jotaro. No, so I I would like to reference this Jotaro as Jotaro that we have at home. Jotaro Fojo. <laughs> Bodaro. Bodaro Bujo. Bodaro Bujo is standing there with his fucking cleft chin and gaunt face yep. with an enormous nose. And just huge ears, now that I look at it. I'm a marine biologist. I'm a, I'm a marine biologist? Yeah. So, he's there, looking like a, a classic gladiator from the 90s. And Jolene looks pointier, and in, instead of having a butterfly motif, she has a wasp motif. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah, I'll pull out the shot. Ooh. She's got a wasp ah. tattoo, and... Uh, instead of a heart and a butterfly on her top, she's spade. got a spade oh. and a wasp. Interesting. Just generally kind of more aggressive, I guess. Yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, she right now is generally being more aggressive yeah. as well. Uh, and they are reenacting the broad strokes of that initial interaction uh, in the visitation room, but then they cease to be of relevance pretty much immediately because in, uh, Dear Sweet in, uh, Pistachio, who I've just realised from the final episode of the... Uh, Stone Ocean, sorry, the final episode page on the JoJo wiki. Mm. His full name is Emporio Al Nino. Emporio Al Nino. Emporio Al Nino. Al Nino. Interesting. Pistachio Focaccia. <laughs> so they, I guess, aren't escaping yet. But Pistachio, sweet, beautiful Pistachio, mm. is sitting there being like, that's them, but it's not them. And then Poochie opens the door, and we know it's the same Poochie because he's still got that big eye wound that Jolene dealt him. Mm. That's clever visual storytelling. Yeah. And he is unchanged and unhappy. Oh, okay. <laughs> unchanged and unchained. Ooh. So he's just walking. He comes in, and there, uh, uh, Bodoro goes up to him, and it's like, Fodoro. Um, Fodoro walks up and there. Hey, what are you hey, doing? It's, it's, you can't, even a priest can't come and disrupt a visitation and just gets backhanded away. 
Uh, so then Pistachio is like, wait, but it's two thousand. It's no, it's November thirty, two thousand and eleven. Did I go forward in time? No, he asked, did I go back in time? Back in time. And then Poochie is like, ha! On the contrary, <laughs> in the most stylish fashion. We he does a lot of strident monologuing this episode. I would say that takes up about two thirds of the runtime. Yeah, yeah. We leapt through to the ultimate time beyond the acceleration. We went beyond the end of our universe. The ending of one universe brings about the beginning of the next. So, okay, there's a lot of talk about ends of universe and uh, Big Bang Theory in this episode. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, they all talk about how much they love Sheldon. Yep. So, TLDR, our boy sped Our boy up. Young Sheldon, aka our... Emporio, aka Pistachio. No, no, no. Our boy, uh, Im- uh, not Emporio, the other one, Father Pucci. Our boy Pucci sped up the universe so much that the universe imploded. Yeah, it stopped expanding and contracted to a single point, which then re-big banged into a new universe. Yeah, it's like cyclical It's like breathing. Ah, oh, like a stress ball. Because we all know I'm always stressed yeah. all the time. So the idea is all the galaxies and all the nebula and all the dolphins... And all the green. Yeah, all the worms, all the cheaters. They all collapsed back into themselves. And so, okay, I'll just lay it out there simple rather than wading through their 15 minutes of explanation. Yep. Poochie's plan mm-hmm. is to accelerate the whole universe yep. back up to that first point where he achieved Made in Heaven, mm-hmm. creating a single, unbroken, loop. Made in Heaven loop. Yep. And from that point on... Everyone will know in their soul the course of the rest of their life. Mm. So I think we see f- like glimpses of this where yeah. Pistachio is like, that guy's going to trip. And then the guards are like, wait, we, we trip if we keep going. And the dude's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And fate becomes more tangible than ever in Jojo. Like in a sequence where Pistachio is going to, he's like, I'll turn left here rather than turning right. And then he sideshow bobs himself on a mop and <gasps> stumbles back and falls down the stairs to the right of... Where he was originally going to turn. Father Pucci's all like, you can't escape fate. Yeah. It's in the soul now. And so this all harkens back to his initial trauma about not realising that by... The full repercussions hi- of one's yeah, actions. Hiring a racist private detective to scare uh, his twin brother into breaking up with his sister. Mm. That he would get them KKK lynched. I see. And so by so knowing the future, he would go... Wait, he would no. still know it and still do that. But understand that it's inevitable and make peace with it. Right, okay. Unlike what he's done this entire time. Which is that it happened and now he won't make peace with it. Now it's like, it's not my fault, it was fate. Ah, okay, right, gotcha. So because it's fate, he's like, well... I guess she dies. Yep. But but I can enjoy the time that I have left with her and I know how much that is. Right, so we're And pulling... she knows how much that is. So we're doing the arrival. Haven't seen it. Basically, woman finds aliens. Aliens teach her language. Language travels through time. She travels through time and then realises everything in her life is already predestined. Mm. But that's cool because... In the future, they're like, oh, you probably need to know this. Oh, we're past. doing um, gravity. Gravity? No, not gravity. Uh, the other one. Interstellar? Yeah. Kind of, but Interstellar's more like, it's love, man. Uh, which is bad, because he can't do anything. So he just winds up in the past and is all like, hey, and then bangs on a that's bookshelf. That's right, yeah. That's, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Whereas of. the arrival is like, I'm going to actively change the future, which is already preordained, but I'm going to have a nice time while doing it. 
even though I know that it's going to end in heartbreak because the guy is like, if you already knew we were going to break up, why did you get together with me? And she was like, because we have good times. Right, and that's that. Yeah. That is one of the one things, of the things that Poochie drives out in this episode. Exactly. Like, you'll know when you fall in love, and you'll know when it's going to end, so mm. you can enjoy it for when it is. Yeah, it doesn't sound good to me. No, it but, sounds awful. I mean, you know, I, I know I'm recently coming off a big breakup. <laughs> you're you're in a state where you're like, I'm the perfect candidate to tell you why you're fucking wrong. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> This has gone very yeah, dark, very quickly. quickly. And no, the other the other main wrinkle of, of this whole cycle situation yeah. is that people who died in the time between when Maiden Heaven was activated and the universe ending mm-hmm. don't come into that next universe. So they every, are discarded. So, so every single person prior to, like, my granddad is dead. No, no, no. People who died after Maiden Heaven was activated, oh. but... Before the universe ended, right, so that okay. would be obviously all of the protagonists apart from Pistachio, a few and also people. people who died in the horrific time lapse yep. stuff, like that woman who got hit by super fast cars. But they, you know, acceptable losses to Father Pucci. Yeah, for the glory of knowing about things. Now this is the attainment of heaven that Dio and Father Pucci were like, we're going to attain heaven. It's going to be a perfect world. We're going to better mankind. Yeah, it's going to be great. Don't Though I, su- I suspect the wrinkle with Dio's presence would have been, and also I'm ruling the world. Yeah, I figured Dio would have been like, and also and because know. everyone knows I rule the world, no one will will bother to to uprise yeah. and create revolution. But what if they foresaw that, like, okay, so so much like in say the Dune saga, mm-hmm. where Leto the Second is like, I know I'm going to die one day, Jared Leto. Uh, yes, Jared Leto, Emperor, uh, God King Emperor. Oh, not God, but I guess God Emperor. Yeah, yeah. So the Joker was all like, listen, I rule over Arrakis now. Joker's trick. Hirohiko Arrakis. Uh, Hirohiko Arrakis, (laughs) which is an impossible to understand ecosystem. (laughs) Um, he's ruling over this planet, but the thing is, he knows in the future that he's going to die. And when he does die, it will liberate all of mankind. But in order for it to happen, he needs to oppress everyone. So... This is the guy who becomes a big worm? Yes. Okay. And he's all like, hey, I'm a big worm. I know I'm going to die. One, Literally the first bit of like one of the books is Duncan Idaho tries to kill him. Duncan Idaho. And he's all like, Duncan, I don't want to kill you. I know I'm going to kill you. He's like, nah, fuck you. I'm going to kill you. And then he kills Duncan Idaho and he's all like, I was too fast. I was a big hut. Yep. So he knows that he's going to die, but everyone else is like... But we don't know the future. How can we possibly tell if we're going to live if we if we try and attack him? If you knew that your attack wasn't going to succeed, you probably wouldn't try to uprise. But if you saw, because you know now, because fate's in everyone's heads, that you could just bring down this big worm or Dio, you'd just do it, right? Like, you'd, just, you'd literally be like, well, we know we're going to win, so we'll do it. Sure. Right? Isn't I guess. that how Yeah, anyway. I, I'm also reminded, of course, of the um, non-canon PlayStation 4 game, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Eyes of Heaven, mm. which I can now talk about in all its detail. Uh, oh in, my god, I can which, play it now! I suppose so, yeah. <gasps> Although it does have uh, some Part 7 characters in it. Oh, damn it! Okay, <laughs> alright. In which um, Dio performs the Made in Heaven ritual and transforms the world into the world over heaven. Oh. Uh, and which... He gets the power to rewrite people's souls, essentially. Oh my god, okay. Is that why everyone has them between evil, universes? Is that why they have an evil twin version? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's all like, yeah, no, I can just do whatever the fuck I want now. 
More or less. You're this person now. <laughs> and then yeah. I think in the climax, they once again pull the Star Platinum and the world are the same stand. <laughs> and Jodoro uses his oh. anti the world over heaven powers to undo it. I think so. Classic. I can't remember. It's been a while. Classic. Yes, so where does that leave us? Um, so basically, Pucci has explained. The universe has cyclically come back around on itself, full Groundhog Day style. And he's stopped it back in Green Dolphin Street Prison, where he knows Emporio is, because Emporio is the last one from the last cycle who still opposes him. Yeah. And he's like, I need to kill you before Cape Canaveral. Because that's when Attainment of Heaven occurs. Yeah, that's when it all becomes a full circle, and also... With the predestination from that point on, you are destined to escape me at Cape Canaveral. So I have yeah. to stop time in this window and kill you. Yeah. Have you got the image stop of... Stop fast time. Yeah. Have say. you got the image of um, the the big loop when he's oh, doing his, it. like, giant monologue? Also, Basically, he... Oh, oh, we've got to talk about the OP. We've got to talk about the Yeah. OP. I was going to say, all of this is also happening while he's walking forward. Yeah, I mean, we're jumping around the episode a bit. Yeah, but, but um, yeah. He, he, they, he's chasing him down an infinite corridor for a while, <laughs> striding after him. Uh, the OP happens normally for a while. No sound effects. We rioted. We literally were like, wait a minute, what the fuck are the sound effects? But then it gets to the point when they are... Oh, uh, with the only change being that we see Dio's sons in all their glory, not as shadowy silhouettes. Mm. Then we get to the point uh, where the clocked hands start going haywire in the prison courtyard. Jotaro shows up. He was never there before. No. He briefly stops time, but it doesn't last long enough. Then Poochie's there, activates Made in Heaven. We go back to the very first shots of the very first opening of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, Sonichino Sardane. Oh, so good. In reverse, as the manga pages move forward from Jonathan... All the way to Jolene, who is then there in the uh, Sonichino Sadame tunnel. The rest of the OP takes place in that Sonichino Sadame house Mm -hmm. uh, as she and uh, we get a brief, like, arc over time of all the Joe stars. Mm -hmm. It's fucking sick. And then she and Jolene, sorry, she and Poochie face off in the same where in the space fighting each other poses as Jonathan and Dio did in the very first opening of this whole project. Oh, so beautiful. It's phenomenal, and they did it, and I love them. (laughs) Someone, David thought to himself. Mr. David Production himself. He was like, beep, 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 beep. Araki, it's David. Hey, what up? I got the idea. We're doing Sonachino Sadame again, but backwards and more. David, you fucking madman, listen to me. You do that. I fucking love it. But also... No! No doubt. No, 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 this is, this is, this is okay. Araki talking. But also, don't you feel a great sense of shame and sadness <laughs> that it's ending? David looks at him through the, through the phone. Araki, there's always tomorrow. There's always. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure Part 7 Steel Ball Run. <laughs> and Araki goes, oh yeah, I'm drawing it right now. <laughs> I wonder if Araki thought, I'm going to end it and just stop drawing manga from that so, point forward. I mean, or... I, I doubt that. But from what I remember, it took a volume or two before the Jojo's Bizarre Adventure label was applied to Steel Ball Run. I might be misremembering that. Wait, what do you mean? So it was the, I think the first few chapters were just published as Steel Ball Run by Hirohiko oh. Araki. Oh, interesting. So, so he may have just never made another JoJo's. But he did. Okay. That might be apocryphal or I might be misremembering, but that's what I remember. Or maybe it was the So ultimate... it's true to me, Wesner. <laughs> so maybe it was the ultimate psych out where he was like, oh, I'm just releasing Steel Ball Run. Everyone's like, wow, a new IP. <laughs> well, I mean, the protagonists they do introduce do have the surnames Joestar and Zapelli. <laughs> so... <laughs> just, just 
just the concept of like, so I'm making a new IP, but also everyone's still JoJo. Yeah. So it's JoJo's. No, 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 it's not. But also they're using stands. Okay, so it's JoJo. No, stands take a while to show up and still will run actually. Interesting. Inter See, that seems really weird to me that he would decide to just make it JoJo after going, no, nah, I've, I've got ideas. <laughs> i got new ideas. I, I can do anything. Uh, Poochie pursues Pistachio through the prison for a long time and they talk about fate and destiny and he wants to avoid going to his secret prison room. Yeah, but because fate is inexorably drawing him there. Yeah. As we all know, you can't escape fate. It's one of the key themes of JoJo's. Of Blaz Blue. <laughs> of Blaz Blue? What? Is it? I think so. I mean, there are many themes. There's a lot of time Blue. travel in that. Maybe I should watch... You know what? Instead of watching Naruto, I should just watch all Blaz the cutscenes Blue continue of Continuum Shift Extend. Let's rock, baby. Phantasma. And uh, so eventually he's cornered in the stairwell that leads into the ghost room. Yep. He doesn't have his ghost gun. He left it in the ocean in oh, a previous universe. Pistachio. Classic He's pistachio. only got his ghost nunchucks. <laughs> well, we see in the weirdest way... Oh he's... yeah, he pulls shit out of his belly button. Yeah, so he's got like a book. And something else that he's just lurching from his belly button. I feel like that never happened before. It Maybe it did and we just never remembered it because of the weirdness of that. Or he just pulled it from behind. Oh yeah, so like, you wanted to see this timeline shot. Yeah, so my favourite thing of this is that they have a diagram uh, of the, the constancy of the cyclical universe, right? Where it starts off at the space center. So this is when Made in Heaven was first activated. Yeah. And there's a big loop where everyone gets reassigned into the... The, uh, the universe. The, the universe. And then a big arrow comes back to join up. But there's a missing piece of the arrow. Because they're not there yet. This also makes way more sense why arrows are such a thing. Because it's all a big loop and the arrow joins itself. But it hasn't reached the end yet. So it's not a Mobius strip. I'm tapping my nose to, to Liam now because he knows what I mean by Mobius strip. Invented by Dr. John R. Mobius. Mm, mm. Dr. Michael Mobius. You remember... <laughs> played by Jared Leto. You remember that bit where Mobius was all like... It's mobbing time. It's time to morb all over these, these bad mathematicians. Yeah, Mobius morbed all over them. <laughs> and everyone's like, but the morbing never ends. He's like, exactly, because you can never, you can never change it so it's on one side. Because it's always on one side. Um, no, so it, the, the arrow doesn't quite meet up. So until we get back to Space Center, which is the start of everything, is the Space well, it's Center. It's the start of Made in Heaven. But I love that there's just this one logo of like, I reset the universe. Time is my whim. Space Center. <laughs> At Cape Canaveral. And it's like, it all hinges... On the space center with a fun little logo and a space it's helmet. the New Earth Cafe. Exactly. It's like of all the, the possible giant things. Giant theater or whatever it was called. It's not like at the opus of the universe on the moon. It's like, no, no, just the space center at Cape Canaveral. You're like, oh, okay. Em uh, Emporio is cornered mm -hmm. and he has no choice but to flee into the ghost room. <gasps> no, uh, but that's where fate has destined him to yeah. go. But... Uh, he hatches a cunning ruse okay. and allows Father Pucci to punch him in the face with his stand made in heaven. Also, I've just realised, this is, okay, this is a weird, weird paradox. Imagine if Jolene was here. <laughs> well, this is the thing, because Jolene, right, she's escaping the prison. A Bolene. Sorry, Bolene is escaping... Pauline. Pink badger we're still prison. In, we're, in, we're still in Green Dog. Oh, okay, sorry. we're still in Green Dog. But... 
She's escaping the prison because Pink Father Poochie... That's good. I like that. What? Pink Badger. Pink Badger. Because Poochie smashed open the door. Yeah, and then Jotaro was like, now's our chance, let's go. But they never did that in the previous universe. Yeah, they were gonna, they were gonna go out. They were gonna make a run. But I thought they had to go back into prison to escape the back way, not forward out like the main visitation area. So then the whole... F- well, I guess details. Whatever. It's fine. They probably won't escape. But they do. But also... So you know that Tim Robinson sketch where he lies about... Um, oh, in the diner? No, no. I mean, yes, that's a good one. Yeah. But no, um, the Tim Robinson sketch where he, he makes up an excuse for why they're late at the party. It's like, yeah, sorry, we hit some people with it. I babysitter hit someone with a car. Like, oh my god, really? No, it's okay. These people just like don't matter. The cops oh, said yeah. that that's that's fake Jolene and fake Jodoro. Yeah. They just they just don't matter. Look, look, the people don't matter. The cops said Father Pucci said they're not important and it's okay <laughs> if they go away. God, that show has some staying power in my brain. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you make any new friends? No. Drives away. Ugh. That scene is like imprinted into my fucking mind. Yep. Also, the number of times that Either my friends or people at work have referenced 55 fries, 55 burgers, 55... <laughs> like, oh, It's good stuff. It is. It, I mean, it's terrible, but it's incredible at the same time. Father Pucci falls big victim to one of the classic blunders <gasps> because in the act of punching Emporio in the face, our, our, our villain who styles himself as a hero, punching a child in the face <laughs> with his telekinetic powers, um, he... <laughs> Now that you phrased it that way. I mean, he's intending to murder him as well. Yeah, he's intending to murder the child so that all of mankind can be better off. I mean, that's Father Pucci's whole thing, you know. He's um, so so sure in his own conviction that he's doing the right thing for humanity that Mm. he does horrible things to Mm. everyone he encounters. Um, Mm. Punches the weather report disc that Dear Departed Weather Report left behind, inserting it into... Emporio's brain and giving him the power of the stand weather report. Not to be confused with the power of the man who wears aquamarine. Who is, of course, beloved and still in our hearts. And he has sort of a Koichi-style glow-up where he becomes more certain and resolute. He is stage 10... Sorry, over Mm 9,000 pistachio... That's it. That's the joke. Okay. <laughs> There's no. You felt like you were going somewhere with that sentence. No, absolutely not. He's over nine thousand now. And so Father Pucci has inserted the st- the stand into him, and uh, this is sort of the the well, Pistachio positions this as him carrying the legacy of everyone who sacrificed themselves to get him this far. Mm. Weather report to in his dying moments got himself disked, mm-hmm. and then Jolene, who gave him that disc, when Via she the thread. Yeah. And, yep. Apparently. Jotaro dying for the greater cause. Yep. Uh, Hermes. Yep. Anasui also, yep. I mean, he tanked a lot of damage. That's true. Anasui did tank a lot of damage. But basically, everyone up to this point Mm -hmm. that's dead, Pistachio is now like, I will avenge them Mm -hmm. because I am them. So, Pucci, um, he does the big Dio coward move where he needs to... Circle. He needs to be fully safe at all times when he's in combat. So he reactivates his ultimate time powers... Uh, and it's like, I'll kill you by being super fast. But what he doesn't realise is that Emporio read a book about oxygen. He also read a book about the universe. Yeah, the life cycle of the universe. Yeah. So he's been reading a little bit too much recently. I mean, he lives in a prison. What's he going to do? Play baseball. Liam. And play his grand piano. Exactly. He's got a grand piano. He can do many hobbies in prison. 
and he fills the room with more oxygen. And he exa- he elaborate. Uh, so uh, as Poochie goes in for the kill, like his veins like throb, throb and, and he collapses onto the piano. And he's all like, what the and they all going start on? bleeding from the eyes. So it turns out that if your oxygen levels are, you know, at the right level, you're fine. You need it to live. But if you go over 40% oxygen, you're fucked. <laughs> like, you're, you're just straight fucked. So he used the magic of weather report mm-hmm. to just pump the room full of more and more oxygen. Sweet, delicious, toxic oxygen. So now everyone's eyes are bleeding out. Um, yep. And it doesn't matter if you're super fast and moving through time at a different pace to everyone else. You still got to breathe. If you're just poisoned. Yeah. It's just like Blight Town. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you're running fast. Although I think there is an argument for the fact that maybe they should be dying at different rates. I guess Poochie should be dying much no, faster no. than Emporio. Living organisms aren't affected, you see. So but Poochie goes die. much faster, though. True. So he would be dying so yeah. much faster. Well, I think that's kind of what they're going for with the super slow punch. Where, mm. where the report sort of hydraulic presses <laughs> Poochie's face into the ground. Oh, so like, good. Yeah, you know, he's immobilised. He's getting punched by something that is, from his perspective, moving so much slower. Yeah. He is, for all intents and purposes, having all of his organs shut down one by one. And also his head's in a vice. He's straight fucked. Yep. Pesky brat, he says. And Emporio's like, I'm not doing this. It's weather report. It's all your... It's more unexpected consequences of your actions, Father Pucci. Look, if you hadn't killed my mother, if you hadn't stolen your brother's memory and put him in this very prison for 40 years... Mm-hmm. None of this would have happened. Mm. Look, I'm not saying I'm punching you right now. You're just punching yourself by Why walking am I into doing my this? fist. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Yeah, I think it's kind of poetic that yeah. once again, Pucci fucked up and he didn't predict how things would go and that robbed him of his perfect dream where that would never happen. Yeah. Which I just really... wish Jolene was here. See, here's the thing. Because she wasn't even that active in the the rest of the Made in Heaven fight. Literally any part, showed yeah. up. Literally anything I Jolene has been Once wronged. we got past yeah. the um, Mobius strip sequence. True, true. But even then, it was just like, she did one thing, and that was it. Yep. It's like, why is she not the main character here? Why have we replaced her with this small child boy? And we do love Pistachio. Look, we do but... love Pistachio. But he's no Jolene. He's no Koichi. He's no... Don't you... Oh, my heart. You can't take it. I did make you laugh when we were watching uh, in the bit where um, uh, Emporio's like, they all got me here. Weather report. And uh, Jolene. And even Jodoro. I, just, I turned to you and I said, and even Koichi. <laughs> it's so, I mean, it's true technically, right? Yeah. Like, in some way, he's affected us all. Yeah. He's had his hand in our lives. You want to take that again? He's had, our, he's had a hand in all of our lives, Liam. He is... The perfect being. He's a beautiful soul. Unless we forget Foo Fighters. Who? Who Fighters? I mean, did Foo Fighters even exist in this world now? Unclear. Unclear. Well, not yet, because... I mean, Foo Fighters, as we know her, Mm. uh, is possessing the corpse of Atro, who isn't dead yet at this time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just really slow, grinding away at his skull uh, as he monologues about how he can't be defeated. Blah, blah, blah. And then we do a big punch flurry. The whole universe collapses into a sinkhole. (gasps) We go through big time again. So now we're in the the new, new And then there's an ant. A beautiful ant on the ground. Someone on the Reddit thread for this episode Mm. pointed out that one of Father Pucci's first scenes is him crushing an ant. Oh! So it's uh, quite a, it's a nice little bit of poetic symbolism Ooh. that now there's an ant in the... Is it the same ant 
I mean, that would be poetic, but I doubt it. Yeah. But uh, it looks it looks to the sky and is like... And the animation is beautiful. Um, shout out as well to the uh, the soundtrack in the previous sequences. There's a lot of like operatic chanting as Pucci pursued Emporio through the prison. Mm. But now it's it's all beautiful. It looks like that kind of animation, which um, I assume is done with computers. Uh, all animation's done with computers now. But uh, what it reminds me of specifically is something that... A, a very distinct visual style that I'd only seen in like ping pong and the recent fight in One Piece where Luffy turns into a new form and it's all very music video y. Oh, <laughs> all like rippling textures. Yeah, okay. So, like, a lot of like effects on top of other yeah. effects. Yeah, okay. And he's outside Green Dolphin Street Prison at the, the uh, bus stop and gas station and a bus pulls up. And we hear... A familiar voice. And she's all like... I've got $50! What kind of bus doesn't have any change? <laughs> and then she's booted off the bus. It's Hermes. Oh my god, but it's not Hermes. Hermes. Oh. She looks slightly different. Oh. Well, she's got slightly different clothes. And slightly different hair. But she's but still... Unmistakably. It's, it's not a different person in the same way that the fake Jolene and the fake... Yeah, no, no photo of yeah. Folene. She is Hermes. But she's not... Hermes. She's not our Hermes. She's Hermes, but without the memories of Hermes. And she gets kicked off the bus. And she's all like, ah, this bus is leaving because I had to talk to this dumb kid. <laughs> and she's like, the next bus is in two hours. What am I going to do? And then the hero of our story <laughs> reveals himself. Oh, fuck. And there's this man, a, a familiar silhouette that we all recognise, leaning against his car and he's like, hey, my car's out of gas. And Nick, why don't you describe this fella? So I described it as a fabulous vampire hunter because yeah. he has a beautiful sort of purple pink. So it's the live physique and colour scheme of our best friend, the hero of the story who never did anything wrong, Anna Sui. Uh, he's got this hat. He's got this big purple jacket and matching hat, matching wide brimmed hat with a big feather in it. Look, if you remember from uh, the Boondocks, a pimp nope. named Slickback, um... It looks like him. And he's just got this, this fucking hat that's got a feather in it. He looks like he's about to sell his car as a pimp. And he's got like weird pants that have a zone in them ready for marketing. He's just there all of a sudden. And he's like, hey, my car is out of gas. If you pay for my meals and gas, I'll take you anywhere you want to go. And Hermes is like, fuck you, old man. I ain't going to do what you tell me. And then do need she to starts to walk away, but then it starts to rain. Oh, as if no. the weather, as if fate itself was pushing them together. And the beautiful strains of Duffy's Distant Dreamer start to play as a figure in the backseat of the car unwinds the window. Oh my god. And it's... Jolene! It's Jolene, but it's not Jolene. And she's got... She's still got the iconic... Uh, Big beehive uh, uh, hairstyle. Ha hair, meatball head. Uh, but she's got long, long hair and she's wearing a not braided. orange sweater with like hearts cutouts in it. And she's oh. like, hey kid, do you need a lift? I'm nice. And Pistachio was all like, oh. I'm Irene and this is my boyfriend, Anarchist. Oh. We're going to go ask my dad, unnamed, <laughs> if uh, we can get married. Well, truly, if all goes well. This truly is the worst universe where they end up together. <laughs> yeah, but I mean... There's no Wes Aquamarine nearby. He's still a murderer in this universe. <laughs> I wonder if any of them committed any crimes in this universe. Well, they're not in prison. That's true. That is true. So maybe Anasui's just a good guy. Mm -hmm. Or Anakis is a good guy. Anakis, what a name. Irene, Nick. 
Yes. Not the first name, time we've encountered that name in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Wasn't Irene the ghost lady? What are you talking about? In part four. You mean Raimi Sugimoto? Oh. Oh, never mind. Wait, then who's Irene? Not a character, Nick. I mean, other than this character, Irene. What? Not a character? But who would Irene be if not a character? Why, Nick, one of Hirohiko Araki's previous works published uh, a two-issue run in 1985 and 1986 was, of course, Gorgeous Irene. The story of the unbeatable assassin, the girl so pure and gentle yet ultimately dangerous. She becomes whoever she disguises as and leaves nothing but the blood of her targets in her wake. That is Irene. Doesn't make good news for anarchists. (laughs) No, but um, also in... um, So that was Gorgeous Irene was the name of that story. Mm. Uh, Also in part two... um, Joseph meets with... There was an Irene's Cafe. Ah... Uh, in I believe uh, throughout throughout the throughout the ages, various characters have been depicted reading books entitled <laughs> "Gorgeous Irene" uh, on the TV. In part three, in one epi- in the Devil episode, um, there's a, a gorgeous Irene reference on the TV. Huh. Rowan Kashibe has a coffee copy. Is there an image of said copy? That one? I don't know. Hmm. I love how they give the image, and it's like, but which one is it? Hmm. Okay, so from the Jojo Ricky. Mm-hmm. Araki came up with Gorgeous Irene's plot while pursuing physical power. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> One day, he was at the One gym. One day, Araki decided to pursue ultimate physical power. Yeah, he was just drawing manga and then went, No, I must become one with the universe. I must become stronger. I must become greater than any of my peers. <laughs> he named her Irene because he thought it sounded Wait, cute. Wait, is that... No, started, I... It's at the same point. Okay. While pursuing physical power. He named her Irene because he thought it <laughs> sounded cute and started to draw her to see if he could actually draw girls. In the end, admit, he admits he thinks he couldn't draw girls. Ah, hence part six. As a challenge to himself. Author's note for gorgeous Irene. Mm-hmm. I considered making it into a serialised manga... But at the time, I was a little reluctant to draw a full-length shonen manga with a woman who fights as the main character. Mm. Thus, I had to wait for more than 12 years before creating Jolene Cujo in Stone Ocean, the sixth part of my work, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. So it all comes full circle back to Irene. Yeah. and his pursuit for physical, physical power. So there's nothing else that tells us what the fuck that means? Nope. Okay, I'll believe it. Uh, and so then it's raining, so they all get in the car after Emporio, like, has his crisis of existence. And he's like, you're, you're, you're not you're her, but you are her. She's got, she's got the birthmark. Mm-hmm. So clearly and the like, Joe Starline is safe. She looks like her, she... Has gentle Yes, she's eyes. got a more gentle, uh, uh, persona than the, the hardened Jolene we know. Mm. She's not masturbating in jail cells. She's masturbating in private. Wow, what a glower. <laughs> Character <laughs> development. Uh, and she and her bloodline are untroubled by the spectre of a 100-year-old vampire mm. and also ancient buff men from the dawn of time. Truly, it's a utopia yep. for the Yo-Star line. They drive off and they see a hitchhiker. And they're and like, Anarchist is like, no, two is enough. But they do stop. And who's that mysterious figure that we see? Why, it's where's Aquamarine? <gasps> he would have his memory in this timeline. Oh my god. <laughs> Maybe, what would his alternate name be? Uh, Feather. What? Like Weather. Oh, I guess, yeah. Yeah, so Feather Fez. Feather Rapport. Fez Factor Marine. 
Oh, damn, that's a good D&D name, though. No, it's not. Hey, my name's Fez Factor Marine. I'm a level 9 artificer. I do a lot of math. And they drive off, uh, and it's raining, and it's beautiful, and everyone's silhouettes are in the sky. Uh, and we all remember them, but they don't exist anymore. But they did what they did, but it was in a previous universe. Mm, no uh, Pistachio, though. And fun fact, uh, in the manga, Foo Fighters wasn't there either. <laughs> <laughs> they just forgot that Foo Fighters yeah. existed. <laughs> oh. Uh, and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the end. Oh. Um, and then we get a special ending. Special ending where we travel through time from the Joestar estate through Venice, uh, through Egypt, through the Morio Crosswalk, uh, to Green Dolphin Street Prison, Italy, and back to this very bus stop. Oh. As we remember, a particularly bizarre adventure. What a, what a wonderful world is a song by... <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles? No, Nick. Uh, Written by Bob Teal as George Douglas and George David Weiss. Oh. It was recorded by Louis Armstrong and released in 1967 as a single. There you go. And you've all heard it. It's the one that... Is this the one that billionaires play? No, that's... I did it my way. Yeah, that's the one that people get murdered for singing in karaoke. Yeah. Whereas this one is just what sad people listen to when they're trying not to be sad and they're like... Yeah, what, this is world. as people go out into the world one last time before their dementia claims their sense of self. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Or uh, it would be something they'd play in Toy Story when they're just like, do you feel good about the toys losing their purpose? You're like, no. It's like, what a wonderful world it is, isn't it? And you're like, oh, they're playing with my emotions. Sure. Yeah. Toy Story. Good content. I do have some words of wisdom from Hiroi Araki. Hit me with them. I may have shared some of this before. Okay. But it's Jolene, sorry, it's, it's Araki explaining the meaning of Stone Ocean. The meaning of Stone Ocean. Okay. Jojo's Bizarre Adventure has finally reached its sixth protagonist, Jolene Cujo. And she too is in the middle of this season of aggression. We've talked about that previously. I don't remember what it means. I don't remember what it means. Ever since she was little, she's lived in Florida. And with Jotaro being very busy in Morio, she grew up without the presence of a father figure. Mm. Jolene has certainly inherited the tough and cool-headed side of her family. But she slowly but surely went down a path of restlessness. Her mother just scolds her. She falls in love with a guy whose affection she blindly trusts. Mm. He represents the love and affection she never got from his father. Her father, that should say. Mm. Mm. But it's precisely this sentiment that will drag Jolene into a crazy world. <laughs> will she be able to free herself from it like unravelling a string? And will she mature as a person? This is the layout that I had in mind when writing Stone Ocean and its protagonist. Mm. Some time ago in the 1980s, the impulse of trying to trying a new creative adventure made me draw Gorgeous Irene. A short story which had a woman as a protagonist. Madness. But in that time period, I just don't know, kind of felt something was off. I perceived a weird atmosphere telling me that a female protagonist wouldn't go well in my works. And so I scrapped the idea of turning it into an actual series. Almost 15 years have passed... Uh, since then, and I'm convinced that in some way, the times have changed. Today, we live in an era in which, even if a girl takes a punch, or her finger goes flying, or she gets pushed down a building... Wait, what? Or she gets pushed down a building... Okay. You can still have a really strong atmosphere. The responsibility <laughs> is all, all, all on her dad's shoulders, Jodoro Kujo. He is the one who initially comes to save his daughter, but ultimately... Ends up getting saved by her. Mm. This, she, in she turn... Didn't, she didn't save him. I mean, fine. she did. She got him that disc back. I, then he yeah. dies still. Yeah, everyone dies. But then they are all reborn. 
untroubled. That's true. Skin clear in their own lanes. <laughs> this in turn favours the internal growth of the girl. It seems to me that putting yourself out there by inserting a character like this into a manga really pays off. Mm. We can be men and women, but the blood relations and the sentiments which derive from them are elements which we all inherit. Mm. What does stone ocean mean? Stone is the will of Jolene, while ocean symbolises women altogether. Okay. Okay, Eric, you keep going. <laughs> this stone ocean can also refer to the image of the prison in which the story is set. That's what I thought it was. After having decided to draw stone ocean, I wanted to collect some material and went to visit a prison in Florida. It was divided into four sections. Juvenile detention, female detention, young male detention, and death row convict detention that I could only enter after I was granted a permit. Mm. In America, there are also private prisons in which a penalty discount becomes the equivalent of a commercial enterprise. Mm. I could enter three sections, but not the male detention one because it was deemed too dangerous. I was only able to see the kitchen and the model prisoners working there. In any case, it wasn't a huge surprise like the one where Joel... Sorry, a huge prison like the one where Jolene Cujo was incarcerated. Hmm. Rather, it was a very high-tech one and in some ways reminded me of Rapongi Hills. Uh, a bracket explains a big urban complex in Rapongi, a Tokyo district. Uh, the inspiration for Kamurocho Hills shopping, set shopping district in the Yakuza games. Is it? Yeah. Ah. At the entrance, I was patted down to check what I was carrying with me and possible metal objects. Then I took an elevator, walked, took another elevator, walked again, then another elevator in repetition. We're getting more and more, like, small scale. Yeah. Further. It's like, all women. This prison, I was in an elevator. At every passage, a heavy metal door with an electronic lock would be opened and closed. Then another, and another, and so on. On the way, I was escorted by some guards of average rank. Doors can't speak, but... <laughs> Bullshit, <laughs> they can't speak. But it was like they were telling me that I couldn't leave that place anymore, even if I willed it. I'm not sure if it was claustrophobia, but I was very nervous. It felt like I was in a state of hyperventilation, and my breathing was ragged. Some prisoners, no matter how many times I told them I was from Tokyo, wanted, to gift, wanted me to gift them a Bible in Korean. Furthermore... <laughs> what? There was a, ma a woman with a massive body structure who looked just like the boss from a movie. <gasps> Seated next to her was instead a girl with a slim figure. Probably her henchman. Henchwoman, I think you should find. <laughs> hench person. Person of hench. Person of hench. Through which she asked me how old I was. I would later heartily describe my feelings to the warden. But whatever happened to the warden? Oh that, yeah! That I was really anxious to the point of suffocation. He replied, it's the same for me every day. I always feel relieved when I can finally get out and go back home. Mm. Writing this sixth part, I kept questioning myself with concern over Jolene Cujo. If I was in the same situation, I think that after just three hours of being put in, I'd probably already feel destroyed. My impression is that between all the previous Jojo protagonists, she is the toughest one. And that I desire for her to be happy the most. Mm. Especially because, as if that wasn't enough, she is right in the middle of... The season of aggression. <gasps> what was the season well, of aggression? I don't remember. Oh. I think it's probably about like puberty or something. Ah, uh, right, okay. I do have an interview about the season of aggression. Season of hate here. The season of hate? I'll just skim it. I won't recount it. Uh, okay. Hmm, I guess this makes the ending a bit nicer in that Araki just wanted her to be happy. She was the toughest and she was rewarded with a world where she didn't need to be the toughest. Mm, nice, nice. Truly, she was in the season of aggression. Oh, no, this is just the same interview. So I don't know what the season of aggression is. <laughs> Maybe it just means 
She was oh, an asshole. Hang on. But now I find it strange and get weirdly angry at it. Angry seasons exist within me, but these angry seasons are balanced by seasons of being attacked. What? Okay, there is an anecdote that I feel like I need to share. Although I, I think I have read this before. So okay. indulge me. Okay. Once I shared the following story with my relatives. There's a traffic light on the street in my neighbourhood that turns red even when there are no cars passing through. I used to just ignore it and cross the street if I didn't see any cars. But it always felt like a bad idea to me. So lately I've decided not to cross until the light turns green. And then suddenly, a barrage of criticism began. Who would even do that these days? Aren't you just a good boy, jackass? Because someone saw you doing it and wrote about you on 2chan, you hypocrite? Oh no, it seems my season of being attacked has arrived. What? It's one thing to be attacked for doing or saying the wrong thing, but I haven't, hadn't even done anything. I didn't even cross the street at a traffic light. Such is the season of being attacked. We find ourselves under attack without knowing the reason why. When such a season comes, trying to fight back only leads to further aggression and pain. The only thing you can do is wait for the season to end. Like how a person with hay fever has to wait for pollen to stop flying. Mm. This season is one where the best defence is not a good offence. <gasps> What? And Jolene is in her own reason. season of being attacked. Right, okay. Gotcha. What? <laughs> because of the false charges and uh, all that. Right, that makes some sense. But isn't the season... And also of... all of the stand attacks. Yeah, there is that. There is... <laughs> yeah, okay, fair, fair. And so she gets a happy ending where she is a new person with the, s- the soul of the old person. Mm. She's happy. She's found love, I guess, with a man who likes to take... People apart. Yep. Maybe he's found a measure of peace where he doesn't need to do that either. Actually, maybe. And also, maybe she meets Weather Report and falls in love with him instead. But then or what Hermes. Of, but then what of Anna Kiss? What will happen to him? Oh my. Oh my. Oh my. There is quite an age difference between her and Weather Report. It's probably not the best idea. Yeah, no. Anyway. But Hermes. Maybe Hermes will get with Weather Report. No, that's not what I was saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, and that's the end of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Now we move into JoJo's regular adventure. JoJo's tax adventure. <laughs> Nick, what did you think of this episode? Highlights and lowlights. I was scared because I was having an existential crisis in that I literally was like, how the fuck are you going to beat this guy? And literally for most of the episode, I was like, what if it just ends with Father Pucci winning? And you, you did raise that in predictions several times over I, the last I few episodes. I was just like, what? Like, literally for most of the episode, it's like, as with all good shonen anime, most of the episode is just him winning. And I was like, okay, so you're bringing in fate, you're bringing in destiny, and you're bringing in, like, all these concepts of, like, you will have to do this. And then it happens, and you're like, he will have to win. Like, that's <laughs> it. Like, that's it. He must win. And then when we all saw... No, fate can be broken by a lovely, innocent, carefree boy named Pistachio. Because fate hasn't been cemented yet, and fate is in our hands or something like that. Something like, like that. I was like, whew, but goddamn, they got a raw deal. Like, they're all dead. But also not. But also not. Just a weird ending. Like, I like it now that I've thought about it more, but weird. Very strange ending. Just everyone gets reborn. They all live their lives happier, I guess, maybe? Um, but yeah, just just a very, very strange ending. But cool. Highlights and lowlights? Um, I reckon my highlight is actually... I'm gonna have to go with the generic highlight of Pistachio winning and being all like, I've done it. I've bested you, Father Pucci. Because it's just a cool moment where it's like, he's doing something. Mm-hmm. He's doing anything. Which is nice. 
It's nice to see a small boy win, you know? Yeah. You never see that in no. media these days. You never see a small boy win over a abusive priest. Mm, exactly, exactly. What was your highlight? My highlight was the series of music cues that ended the episode mm. going from... Uh, Jotaro's beatdown theme in the defeat of Father Pucci mm. to uh, the, the soft, gentle strains of Dear Sweet Poor Duffy, ah, Distant, Distant Dreamer, Dreamer to Roundabout, bringing it home, bringing it all back again uh, it's as all they drove off into the sunset. And mm. we were cruelly denied that arrow that shot across the screen telling us to be continued because it was not to be continued, it was the end. That's it. No more anime. Except there is probably going to be more anime. I, sh- I, sh- I certainly hope so. <laughs> I don't know what happened to me there. Oh, no. I became Dutch. <laughs> Look, there's only two people in the world that we hate. Father Pucci. And Father Pucci in his new awakened state. And my low light. Mm. Where's Jolene? Where's Jolene in this climax? What do you mean? She's, she's been there the whole she time. She would have had more Jolene doing things. Yeah, no. My low light was also going to be there's no Jolene. But now that you've cruelly snatched that away from me, um, my low light's just gonna be weird, disturbing looking photo. Yeah, fair enough. Because literally the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, it's Joe. Oh, what the fuck is I that? I thought you were either gonna go with that or weird, disturbing looking, stupid, sexy art and a series. Oh, God. That, no, that would have been a highlight, really. Like, he looks like Vampire Hunter D if Vampire Hunter D also was, was, was a pimp. Like, that would be it. <laughs> Just walking around being like, hey, you got vampire problems? Yeah, I got some vampire problems also too. Also, my car's out of gas. <laughs> Listen, I'll let you ride in my car. I don't have a car, I have a horse. And there is a nice bit of beautiful symbolism. Uh, it's, it's, it's bookending, it's poetry, mm. it rhymes. In mm. that the, show, the, seri- the story starts with a car accident mm. and it ends with a car, with a car driving, driving away. And also, the the greater series starts with... <laughs> yes. No, follow me, follow me. Liam is gesticulating Phantom hard. Blood. Yeah. The inciting incident is, of course, the Joestar... Lord Joestar's carriage careening over a cliff, mm-hmm. leading to the death of Mum Joestar, yep. Lady Joestar, and um, George the First. Sorry, George the First. George Senior. Yeah, George Senior. Yeah. Being saved by Dario Brando. Yep. So, car accidents begin. Mm-hmm. Car driving happily away. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. Car crash begin in part six. Car drive away in part six. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you, I and, and also part one. And also part one. But no masks. Only Foo Cells. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And no Foo Fighters. She's not allowed. No foo fights. <laughs> so Nick, um, we are running a bit long, but mm-hmm. um, wow, we did it. We got through Bizarre we Adventure. We did all of the one Bizarre Adventure. There'll be a new Bizarre Adventure someday, <laughs> but we did it. Um, we're going to do, we're going to finish Bubblegum Crisis, right? Yep. That's the plan. Absolutely we are. Uh, then we'll figure out what we do next. And if we don't get through everything, Liam, because they said the end, Thank you for taking. And thank me you for on coming. This bizarre adventure. It's been wild, a defining aspect of my life. I know. At this point, I feel like it's literally the only aspect of my life. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> Everything else is. We're like... doing great. We're we're healthy. We're safe. Yeah. <laughs> I want to. Sh- I want to find. I haven't prepared this, but mm. I want to find just some words of Hirohiko Araki 
to lead, to lead us into Steel Ball Run. Oh, God. Before the big wait. Yeah. So let me see if I can find like, the first author's yeah, just note to, for it or Just something. to wet my palate on an anime yeah. that may not have been made yeah. yet and may never get made. Who knows? I just want to meet Araki. I literally just want to go up to him and be like, hi, I'd like to just talk with you. Like, I just want to drink some tea with him and be like, my man. He doesn't speak the language, though. With an interpreter nearby. With our mutual friend, Kieran, who lives in Japan, I can be like, you know Japanese. You can come with me. And he'll be like, I work full-time, non-stop in Japan. I'm like, yeah, you can come talk to a mangaka with me. You can do that, right? Thank you, Araki, for your unhinged words of wisdom. Okay, so we, we will, I'm sure, reread these author's notes if and when we... Um, do part seven. Yep. But... Feels weird. Um... It's, it's a, it's a two-part author's note on volume one and volume two. And I just want to read that as a little taste of what's to come. Okay. And then get your reaction. Okay. In substance, I drew Steel Ball Run as the seventh part of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure saga. However, for the readers who might begin with this volume, mm-hmm. I prefer not to insist too much on that affiliation. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, completely burying one's past work in order to create a new one is, in my opinion, a bad habit for any manga author. <laughs> What? It's important to find a theme which carries on from the past. And then part two. Since seasons pass and man evolves during his life, I think it's important to build what I call the theme of one's work by basing it on the foundations of their previous works. And that wanting to cut oneself from the past is a mistake we shouldn't make. Thus, in Steel Ball Run, you will meet characters whose names are similar to some of the characters in the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure saga. You can see them as their ancestors or as their incarnations in a parallel world. However, the theme remains the same. A hymn to humanity. What will happen to these people plunged into the strange race of life? Wait, so you're telling me that they'll have similar names and their Well, Nick, I don't, I don't feel any harm in sharing to you that the um, protagonists at this stage mm-hmm. of Steel Ball Run are named... Uh, Jodoro Kujo. No, okay. I mean, Jonathan Johnny Joestar. Okay. And Gyro Zapelli. Gyro? Oh my god, okay. So we have this random Jonathan Joestar that isn't Jonathan Joestar. He's not that Jonathan Joestar. He's a different Jonathan Joestar because he's named Johnny. Yeah, it's set in the United mm-hmm. States. Yeehaw, as they say. When your name is Johnny. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Is there anything you want to ask me? There's so many questions. So we're not going forward in time. We're going back in time. We're not even going backward in time. We're just starting a new story. With Johnny That begins at a further point in time. Backwards from the present. So in the past. (laughs) Yes, but we're not... We're not taking... We're not not going backwards in either Jolene's world or Irene's timeline. We are just doing something new. This is like... Potentially, it could be an entirely different universe that got made that's like over It's an entirely different fiction. Okay, so we have created... It's going to pull on a lot of similar imagery and concepts, Mm -hmm. but it's new. It's It's like how Digimon Tamers is unrelated to Digimon Adventure. But it's the same universe, right? No, I don't think so. What? What? No. I don't think it is. Wait, is this like... It's like how Zoids Chaotic Century and Zoids, the one where they're in a tournament, are entirely unrelated. Yeah, okay. No, that makes a lot more sense. Because Zoids has like war-torn country, but the Zoids tournament one is like, eh, whatever. Yeah, 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 I'm with you. No, all you had to put it in was in terms of Zoids. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. the universal constant. Yeah, so okay, alright, that makes a lot of sense. It's like how you've got Evangelion, but then you've got Evangelion. 
which pulls on a lot of the same things as Evangelion, because it's the same story and the same characters. But it's a completely different movie that exists over here. But <laughs> Liam might be ready to stab me at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so it's like JoJo's, but it's not, it's not JoJo's as we know it. No, it's, it's new like, JoJo. It's Johnny. It's Johnny. He's cool. Well, I mean, we don't know that yet. I do. I know what Johnny's like. Oh, no. And I won't tell you. Oh, no. It was the Wild West. It was a different time. We have to forgive him for the context of his circumstance. <laughs> we open with Johnny uh, hanging a man for stealing a horse. <laughs> we open with him shooting someone in the knees and laughing uncontrollably. Oh, oh. Um, oh no. Yeah, okay. Well, I reckon it seems like if we're in the Wild West, it's either going to be real fucked up or just like... Very, very, very spaghetti western. I'll get the year for you. That might um. Because mm. I mean, I know a lot of spaghetti westerns that are hilarious. I would, <laughs> of course. <laughs> this is this is stupid. I'm being I'm being dumb, and you should chastise okay. me. Okay. You know how it's called a spaghetti western because it's a western made by an Italian movie studio. Yeah. You could call this a uh, a ramen western. <laughs> See, in a spaghetti western, it's thick with the sauce of drama. But in a ramen western, it's hot, it's spicy with the broth. Umami. Exactly. It's like strong umami western where every single glance is meaningful. 1890. Oh shit. That's not even that far behind um, JoJo's, isn't it? Because um, JoJo's was like 18... 1888, I think, oh, is where okay. the bulk of um, yeah. Phantom Blood takes place. Mm, Set in the United States in 1890. It stars Johnny Joestar. Do you want any details? No. Okay. Absolutely. Don't, don't you taint me with your internet browsing. So maybe Johnny is like... Actually, can I know how old Johnny is? Because I want to know if he's a lovable scamp or if he's just a bad boy, you know? Because none of the Joestars are good people. They're just... Uh, Josuke never did anything wrong to anyone. <laughs> Sure. 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 Uh, he is 19 years old, which is pretty standard JoJo protagonist yeah. stage. Okay, so he's probably, he's probably a bad boy, you know? He's, like, old enough to own a gun in the Wild West. Yep. Um, but not old enough to understand the full not repercussions. old enough to have used that gun on himself. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah. Okay. All right. And we'll find out all about Johnny Joestar. And things he may or may not do, and who he may or may not do them to, someday in the future, assuming the confirmation comes. But until that day, to be continued. <laughs>